Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro, and we have a full slate of NBA goodness to get to, but before we do that, we have some other things we need to cover, so let's jump right in. The Colorado Avalanche have a chance to capture the NHL Stanley Cup tonight, this is being recorded on Friday, and take down the two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 5 as they are currently up 3-1. to one. Some might argue that it should have been 2-2 two to two because Game 4 ended somewhat controversially when 30-plus seconds into overtime, the Colorado Avalanche scored the winning goal during a shift change, and the Lightning were quick to notice that there were six men on the ice for the Avalanche at the moment when the goal was scored, which, by all accounts, is illegal. Now... Tampa Bay was rightly devastated. They they thought they were they were climbing back into the series as they had gone down 2-0 and won game three and, and made a push in game four to try to even up the series. And this technicality, this rule, was violated during the goal. So they thought it should have been waved off and then they could have kept going. But they they were devastated. They thought they should have still been playing when they were doing the post-game press conference, and their coach left the post-game press conference saying, uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. I can't do it right now. You'll see that we were right when you see the replay. And Tampa Bay was technically right. There were six men on the ice at the moment that the goal was scored, and nobody saw it. And the NHL has, has acknowledged that, that they missed the call, that it should have been called. But... It's hockey. These things happen. Shift changes happen literally dozens of times in a game. It's not, and it's not like baseball or basketball or football or soccer where you literally stop play to make a substitution. Line changes happen during play. They're an inexact science of, I'm coming in, so you need to come off the ice, but we're going to keep going while you do it. So there are many times during the game where for a split second, there could be four players on the ice or six players on the ice. If you want to get technical, the rule gets violated all the time for a split second until that player gets off the ice or until that new player comes on. So, yes, in that moment, Colorado had six players on the ice. But to Colorado's point, it happens. These things happen in sports. Things get missed. The third strike that that gets called a ball, so the pitcher has to throw another pitch and that pitch gets hit for a home run. Or... Or, or the face mask penalty that isn't called resulting in a in a potential 40-yard pass falling incomplete. Or the, the foul that is called when there was no foul committed, see Gary Payton Jr. and Jalen Brown uh, in the NBA Finals. These things happen. You just have to hope that you're not on the wrong end of them when they do because it is the human element of this game and I think it, of, of these sports, and I think it would be a huge mistake to come up with ways to remove the human element as they're trying to do in baseball with robotic umpires because that's one of the reasons why we as 
regular people relate to these things because they're all just humans. They're, they all happen to just be really, really good at something that pays them a lot of money. So it's terrible for the Tampa Bay Lightning that they lost that way, but there was nothing, there was nothing malicious about it. Nobody's wrong here. The, 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 the avalanche had six men on the ice, but it was a shift change, which is something very, very common in the NHL. So I, I don't think Tampa Bay wins again. I think that that blow to them was too big. Um, so I think the avalanche take it in five and win their third Stanley cup in franchise history. Another championship that's happening right now is college world series. One of my favorites, the greatest show on dirt. And the final is set as I'm recording this to begin tomorrow with the Oklahoma Sooners taking on the Ole Miss Rebels. And regardless of who wins the best of three championship series, history will be made. If Ole Miss wins, it'll be their first title in program history. If Oklahoma wins, much more interesting. Because it'll be the first time in College World Series history that both a school's baseball and softball teams win the title in the same season as the as the Oklahoma Sooners softball team won the Women's College World Series a couple of weeks ago. No no school has ever done it in the same year. A couple have come close. I believe the closest was in 2013 when when the UCLA women won and the UCLA men lost in the final. It's never been done. It's been close. It's not that often that we even get a chance for it to happen because both teams have to make the College World Series first, and that doesn't happen very often. So either way, history will be made in the College World Series, whether it's Oklahoma becoming the first school to win both in the same year or Ole Miss's first title. But another cool thing about Oklahoma is they're showing a lot of resilience in this in this tournament they've been largely the most consistent and dominant team in this in this college world series and the oklahoma sooners were picked in the preseason to finish sixth in the big 12 and they're in the college world series final goes right back to my theme of never stop competing and oklahoma didn't and they're two wins away from from a title so i wanted to do something a little bit different before jumping into the main part of the podcast with all the nba madness um and the other day, I was at the gas station, I was heading to a movie, and I got what I needed to get, and I was checking out, and I saw a pack of Topps baseball cards. And I used to collect baseball cards, I used to get them all the time, but I haven't, as a as an almost 30-year-old man, I haven't gotten a pack of baseball cards, or any kind of cards, in almost 20 years. But something about this pack, I thought, what the heck, let's get some baseball cards. I've been holding on to them. I haven't opened them until just before I started recording this episode. Uh, I took them out backwards so as not to see what they were because I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it on the podcast. I wanted to see what they were on the podcast. And if and if you're listening on an audio format, you may you may want to transition over to a video format. We're full episodes available on YouTube, but we also go over to our socials. Subscribe to YouTube while you're there. Go. Go over to our socials, our Empire Sports Talk socials, where I post um, clips. Facebook, TikTok, 
Twitter, Instagram. We're new to Instagram, so go give us a follow there. And, and, and let's see what we got in these cards. All right. It looks like we have a few team cards. So we have the White Sox, the Rays, the Slam Diego Padres, and the Houston Astros. We got team cards. So that's, we're off to a good start here. And I can already see that these cards are a little bit dated because the first player card that we have is Sean Manaya, but he's wearing an Oakland A's uniform, and he's he was traded to San Diego, I believe, in 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 the off season. So these are these are a bit dated, but we'll still see what we have. Oh, here's another one: Drew Smiley, but in a Braves uniform. And as we know, he is he calls the North Side of Chicago home now. He's with the Cubs. Luis Robert. Okay, we're getting some good cards here. He's he's killing it with 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 the Southsiders. Cal Cal Raleigh with the Mariners. That's a fun name to say. Max Kepler with the Twins. That's a good card. Aaron Judge, the MLB home run leader for 2022. Last I checked, he was on pace for 66. I don't know if that's still the case, but he is having a heck of a year. Uh, the Yankees are on pace for 272, which would I believe would be the fifth best number of all time for a team in home runs. Luis Gill, Luke Weaver, Garrett Cole. This is a very Yankee-heavy pack. Alex Wells of the Orioles. One of my college buddies um, is a relief pitcher for the Orioles, Brian Baker. So if you see Brian Baker, I went to college with him. Byron Buxton of the Twins on a, on a particularly glossy card particularly glossy i like it it's a special stars of the mlb card i remember when they used to do special cards like that and lars newtbar that's a fun name to say a fairly new addition to the st louis cardinals so if you didn't find if you don't find cards exciting you can skip this part of the podcast although i hope you didn't because those that was the first pack of cards that i've opened in 20 years and that was pretty fun um but now that we've got that out of the way, let's jump back in to the meat of the podcast, and that is the NBA. The big news in the NBA, I want to congratulate the Golden State Warriors on winning another championship. It's their fourth championship since 2015, and their seventh overall. Uh, all four championships in the last seven years have been won with the same core, that is... Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Uh, so congratulations to them, and they are proving that that built is better than bought, which I've said many, many times. Um, they they are a dynasty, if you want to call them that, and I think you are within your rights at this point to call them that. That was built because all, Clay, Steph, and Draymond were all drafted. Kevon Looney was drafted from this new this new set of people. Uh, Jordan Poole drafted. All the championship teams have looked different. A lot of draft picks have won rings with the Warriors. You could you could look at when when all these veterans like Iguodala and Durant and everyone was joining the Warriors to try to win a championship. That happens every time a team gets really good. Uh, players want to join to try to win a championship. We see it all the time. But the the core of this Warriors team has been there and stuck it out and been drafted so so congratulations to the warriors for their fourth title since 2015 seventh overall 
Steph finally gets his MVP, which when I heard that he didn't have one, I couldn't believe it. I guess I had forgotten. Because Steph is such a transformative player, you just assume that by playing, he's going to win MVP. So it it was pretty pretty shocking to me when it was like he finally gets his, his finals MVP. And it was a great story because they went from worst team in the NBA to the finals uh, in, in just a few short years. They, they worst team in the NBA to just outside of the play-in. Injuries killed him. Clay was out for almost three full years. He finally comes back. This was a great redemption year for him. It was a bit. It, it was a big win for him. He was very emotional about it. Steph was very emotional about it before the buzzer even sounded. It was a big, big win. Props to Boston for giving Golden State a heck of a series. It it looked at one point like Boston was in full control. They were minutes from going up three one, and Golden State did what Golden State does, and won that game and then did not lose again. The one thing I want to take away from that, something I noticed, and if you follow us on Twitter, you see that I saw something and I said, I'm going to talk about this. I have something to say about this. The NBA has always been run by superstars. The big players, the flashy players that we attach ourselves to and says, this is the guy, whether, you know, all the way back from, from Wilt to Kareem, to Dr. J, to, to Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Giannis, the, the big stars that we attach ourselves to that carry the league vi- from a visual standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. But not all superstars are the same. And something I saw online this week was somebody comparing a selfless superstar with a selfish superstar and they're two of the most prominent names in the NBA today. One of them is the one we were just talking about. The selfless superstar, Steph Curry. After winning his fourth title, after being on the stage, after being handed the MVP trophy, he said, I could not have done this without my teammates. This is for them. We did this together. Every And... Everyone from the video staff to the coaches to the trainers to the front office, this is for us. You know, we did this together. It was a big team win. He was very team forward in his speech, in his in, in his acceptance, in his gratitude for the organization, for his teammates. Steph is a selfless player. In 2020, we saw the opposite of that. After winning his title with the Lakers, LeBron James said... I want my respect. So I've never come on here and disrespected LeBron James's talent. He is one of the all-time greats at this game. But what I've never cared for is LeBron James's attitude. To be to be successful in in anything, but especially to be successful at a sport on a professional level, you have to have a certain amount of confidence. And sometimes that confidence can bleed over into arrogance or, 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 or showboatiness or egos. These things happen when you have to do something with a certain amount of confidence. And, and, and we see a certain amount of swagger from the Warriors when Steph Curry shoots a three and turns around and runs the, down the court before it even hits the net. Like, we see that 
you know, I don't love it. I don't think it's cocky, but but he's that good, and he knows when he makes a shot. But LeBron saying, I want my respect, is the ultimate sign of, we just did this as a team, and everybody look at, now everybody look at me. LeBron's whole career, off the court, and even sometimes on, but he's a, he, he's a good teammate on the court. He's... He, he gets his assist. He finds open teammates. He's one of the best players the game has ever seen. But in his entire career, and a lot of this has to do with the media, I get that, but calling somebody King James at 15 is a lot. And then saying he's going to be the savior of his, of his hometown franchise. But he came into the league, and he, ad- he adopted... That nickname. He started referring to himself as King James. He started. He started referring to himself as the chosen one. Then, after seven years in my aunt, or in Cleveland, he made a very public and to some obnoxious announcement, being like, "I know I'm the best there is. Everybody, look at me where I tell while I tell you where I'm going to play." While sitting in a gymnasium, I remember watching that special. There was nothing special about it. It was just LeBron sitting in a chair saying, I'm going to play in South Beach. But he wanted all eyes on him. Then, when he was introduced in Miami, it was this big club-level spectacle. All-star game-level spectacle for LeBron and these two other guys. One of which, who had been there for years at this point, in Dwayne Wade. Then, when he decides to return to Cleveland, which I always commended him for, and I still do, when he decided to return to Cleveland, he made a very similar, he did it in a very similar way to Michael Jordan when he just said, I'm back. He published, uh, he, he wrote an article and said, I'm coming home. Then, he goes to the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, all the attention on him, is the flashiest brand in sports and he couldn't stand not being a part of it. And then he couldn't he couldn't stand not taking one of the one of the greatest things that my generation attributes to Michael Jordan and our love of the movie Space Jam and desecrating that and making that worse. He has admitted his need to beat Michael Jordan. He's admitted he's chasing a ghost. And to to say in, in the biggest team moment to say, I want my respect, I am censoring myself there. He, he, he added another word before respect. I want my respect. If you have to call yourself King James, if you have to ask for respect after four titles, multiple MVPs, if you're asking for respect, you're showing the reason why you weren't getting respect in the first place. Even back when he was coming into this league, his advisors advised him. They said, why don't you wear the number nine? Wear the number nine because, because no, no great in the NBA has ever won the number nine. You could make it yours. Like we attribute the number 23 to Michael Jordan or, or we attribute the number six to Bill Russell and Julius Irving. They said, you could make the number nine yours. Nobody wears the number nine. And he said, no, I want to wear 23. 
I want to wear 23 because I'm the greatest. If you, if you refer to yourself as the chosen one, if you refer to yourself as the greatest before you've even done anything like he was at that point, if you admit to chasing someone, if you have to ask for respect, if you turn attention to yourself in the ultimate team moment, you have a complex. You're a selfish superstar. You only care about you. And that's what we see from LeBron. Now, you some could make the argument that, that Michael Jordan was all about himself because the way he played exuded a certain level of confidence. But Michael Jordan and his teammates have admitted that yes, he was hard on he was hard on teammates for not being as good as he was, but be, that's because he wanted he wanted for them what he wanted for himself. Steph and Clay and Draymond want for others what they want for themselves. Draymond even said that after after winning his fourth ring that the greatest enjoyment he gets out of these other rings after his first one is seeing the players like Jordan Poole, like Andrew Wiggins that win their first. So even they are saying the confidence and the the what some might construe as arrogance that we give off is because we want the best for ourselves, but we also want that same best for our teammates. And I've never seen LeBron want the best for his teammates. He has jettisoned entire teams out of the city he's playing in because he doesn't like them. He wanted to get rid of Lonzo Ball. He wanted to get rid of Brandon Ingram and, and Kyle Kuzma. So he did, and he brought in his friends. He brought in Anthony Davis. He brought in Carmelo Anthony. He brought in Russell Westbrook. And look how that turned out. Not only were they terrible, but all three of the players that used to play with LeBron, Lonzo, Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram, were on teams that, for the most part, the, the 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 Wizards fell apart at the end, but for the most part had better seasons than LeBron's team of buddies. We have not seen LeBron do what's best for his teammates, especially if it comes out of having to sacrifice something for himself. LeBron has always been chasing his own ego, chasing his own stats and glory. He's He's always been chasing to be better than Michael. And that shows why he felt the need to ask for respect in 2020. He's showing why he doesn't have it, and that's why he needed to ask for it. But the Golden State Warriors have proven that they are, they are full of selfless superstars who, as long as they stay together, you know, they're in their 30s now, so who knows how long they'll each be around. Steph's ankles are giving him problems. Clay's coming off of a brutal injury journey. So who knows how much longer they'll be around and be able to do this. But I don't think the Warriors are going anywhere. And, and, and when those big three do hang it up, you know, with with players like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins being there and Kevon Looney being there and wanting to stay, I don't think they're going anywhere even after those those players leave. So congratulations to Gold State on another championship on being so selfless and showing us how superstars should be. Last night, as, as I said, this is being filmed on, recorded on Friday. Last night was the first round of the NBA draft. Big night for the NBA. Uh, a lot of great players were drafted. It was a very deep draft. But there was no clear-cut number one. And so for the weeks leading up to the draft, the Orlando Magic had the number one pick. And I heard 
all three names for who was going to be the pick. Those three ended up going top three. I heard Jabari Smith Jr. most recently and Chet Holmgren right after they won the lottery. Um, But I never really heard Paulo Bencaro's name as the number one until the morning of the draft. And I heard it in passing and I was like, they're not going to go with him for number one. And then they did. Which was a which was really really shocking. Ben Carroll went number. It was shocking to me. Ben Carroll went number one. Um, Holmgren went number two to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who had a great night. More on that in a second. And Jabari Smith went to the Rockets, who also had a great night. But I was a bit surprised by the Ben Carroll pick number one. I thought that I thought the Magic were going to go with with Jabari Smith because of his scoring ability. And his his offensive playmaking, they did not. Uh, Jabari Smith was a little bit upset that he was not the number one pick. I get it when 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 you get when you get to that point, you want to be. But I think in the long run, I think in the long run, both Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith will be in better situations with Oklahoma City and Houston, respectively, than Paolo will with the Magic. But that was just the beginning of a crazy night for the draft. I don't know what's in the water in these draft rooms, but I was live tweeting the first round for for our Twitter account at Empire Sports Guy is the handle. Please give us a follow. And similar to when I when I did the NFL draft, um, because I work for a company that has to cover it, there were a lot of trades made that night, trades of picks, and that was chaotic there there were even more trades of picks in the in this first round but what made it more complicated is that a lot of those traded picks were made after the pick was made so so you would you would hear an announcement for a player going to a certain team and then you're like oh that player's going somewhere else so when you're live tweeting that trying to keep track of of what was what's going down is difficult but in that vein this was a great draft for the point of the NBA draft lottery is to, or or any draft order, going with the, from worst to best, is to give the teams that need the most help the chance to get the most transformative help. And sometimes we see teams take that seriously and do as much as they can, and sometimes we see teams just botch it. And I thought that the, that three teams that had top five picks already just out of the season they had with the Pistons, the Rockets and the Thunder did great at being super aggressive in the first round, getting multiple picks, making multiple trades and being the three winners of this draft for me. Oklahoma city had, had, had the number two pick. They picked Chet, Chet Holmgren, but they traded around and got two or three more picks in the in that draft. They, they, they got some good pieces, ended up with multiple picks I didn't know I, I didn't know what direction their organization was going in, but after this draft, it seems a bit more clear that they have a bit more of a structure than they did before. Jabari Smith, I think, is going to pair really well with Jalen Green in Houston, and then later in the draft, traded around and took Tari Eason, who who is a defensive problem, and I would have loved to see Jabari Smith, the offensive threat, paired with Jalen Green. And Christian Wood, uh, but unfortunately Christian Wood plays elsewhere in Texas now. But that being said, as I, t- I tweeted last night, I said Eason is a problem. Uh, Jabari Smith and Jalen Green are going to get the buckets on offense. 
hand the defense over to to Eason and Boban, and they'll take care of the rest. And I love Eason's nickname. It is his his mother nicknamed him Peso because his jump shot was money, and that was that was one of the funniest things to me in the draft. Uh, they also got they also traded back into the first round the Rockets and got Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky, who is a scorer. So they are they got one of the steals in the draft. So I think Houston did a great job. Oklahoma City did a great job getting getting pieces that they need to find their identity. Detroit with Jalen Ivey, I think he was the, one of the best picks in this draft. And we kept seeing Detroit's name pop up uh, in the first round. I couldn't keep track of, of who was going to Detroit and who wasn't. And then we had had a move after the draft that I'll get to in a second. But but they got Jalen Ivey. And Jalen Ivey has a great story, if you don't know it. His mom was a former WNBA player and, co- and coach at Notre Dame. And so he grew up around the game. And it meant so much to him to get to the NBA. And his mom was there. And he got drafted to Detroit. And his mom played for the Detroit Shock of the WNBA. It's a great story with him. Uh, that was the guy they wanted at five, and, and he fell to them at five. He was projected to go at four to the Kings, but they took Keegan Murray instead. Uh, so he fell to them at five, and I think it was one of the best picks of the draft. Benedict Matherin of Arizona went to the Pacers at seven and, or at six, and he is my favorite player in this draft. What I saw from him in the tournament out of Arizona, I had Arizona winning the whole thing, I think this year or at least getting to the final and they fell short but but Matherin has big big game potential I'm really excited to see what he can do in Indiana and if he can he can take them back to where Paul George had them conference finals and that kind of situation and then things got interesting after that one of the one of the picks one of the players that 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 I really liked was was Jalen Jalen Duran out of Memphis, who who went on a bit of an NBA journey before he even signed a contract because he was drafted by the Hornets. And then after the pick, or or sometime around the pick, that pick was traded to the Pistons. So it looked like for a while that he was going to go to the Pistons, which I had heard that the Pistons GM, Duran was their guy if... They didn't get Jaden Ivey, and they, but they did, and so they somehow ended up with both of them. But then it came out today that Jaden, that that Jalen Duran was on the move again to the Knicks as part of the Kimba Walker deal. So, and but but before I get there, I thought, I, I, as I said, I thought the winners and the the winners of this draft were the Pistons, Rockets, and Thunder, and I took a poll. Um, of who I thought on Twitter and asked who people thought won the draft. And I let's see, 60% of people said, 59.2 said they thought the Pistons won. And I agree with that. I think the Pistons won. I would have liked it a little bit better if they had held on to Duran and paired him with Ivy and Cade Cunningham and... Um, Killian Hayes, I would have liked for them for them to hang on to Duran because he's a big man. He's this he he's a prototypical big man. He's a traditional big man. He he gets comps with Bam Adebayo, so I would really like them to sit see them 
hang on to Durin. But he's going to the Knicks, which brings me to my loser of the draft. Even though they got Durin later, they had one pick in the draft. Their pick, shockingly by New York fans, was not well received. It was a shooter out of France. There wasn't a lot known about him. They traded him pretty, pretty immediately for three future first rounds, two of which were conditional. So those might not even end up being first rounds. Those might end up being second or thirds. And then got Durin later. But in order to get Durin, they had to give up Kimball Walker, who despite having a rough go of it in... With the Knicks, I still think is a is a great player in this league. He goes back to Detroit, although Detroit, the rumor is Detroit is working on a buyout for him, so he might not even suit up for the Pistons, which I would love to see. Uh, but the, their their backcourt at this point is their strong point. They they just traded Jeremy Grant to the Blazers for picks, which is I think how they were able to be so busy in this draft. Uh, but I do think the Pistons won. On my poll, 59.2% of people said the Pistons won, 25.5% said the Rockets won, and 15.3% said the Thunder. And I added an option for, for them to say someone else, and out of 98 people, nobody voted for that. So it's pretty clear who the winners of this draft were, uh, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pistons. Uh, the Knicks, to me, were the losers trading away Kimball Walker and kind of messing up their, the one pick they did have. Um, the Knicks, you know, the last couple of years, they were hoping to get Zion. They didn't. And they were hoping to get Kyrie and KD. They didn't. And the, so so the Knicks have had high hopes the last several years, and they're a big franchise. They should have high hopes, and they've been dashed every time. But this is, it seems that every time the draft comes around, they, they can't figure it out. And getting Jalen Duran is, is great. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be very good at the next level. But that that's not there's still a long way to go for the Knicks and I think they're I think they're banking a little bit too hard on the flashiness of Madison Square Garden and free agency because now we've heard Kyrie Irving might it might be on the move and the Knicks want him and the Knicks want all these people, but the Knicks aren't attractive right now. The Knicks aren't an attractive team. So you can't bank on 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 free agency that is entirely subjective to an individual's decision and perception of your franchise, which is not an attractive franchise at the moment. So I think it's going to be a long road for, for the New York Knicks, and this draft did not help. The last thing I want to touch on, I just mentioned his name. That's what we in the business call a segue. Kyrie Irving was not able to work out a deal with the Nets. He he wanted a long-term contract. They did not want to commit to him. Shocker. So now they're working on a sign-in trade. And Kyrie Irving has a list of players, a list of teams that he would prefer to be traded to. The Lakers, the Mavericks, the Heat, the Knicks, the Clippers, the Sixers. It's a good list of teams. I don't think the Sixers would be a good idea because if they want to hang on to James Harden, he has he has played the the one more often these days, and you would have two ball dominant shooters on the same team. I don't think that would work out. Uh, the Lakers, he'd be back with LeBron, but that but that didn't go over great the first time. 
personality-wise. I mean, they won a championship, which is great, but he wanted out of there because he wanted to be the guy. So now, now he wants to pair back with him. The Mavs would be the most interesting to me, pairing him with 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 Doncic if 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 Brunson moves on and gets his big payday, which is projected somewhere like twenty-two million. The list of teams isn't my problem here. The problem is that it's no surprise to me from the Nets standpoint that this did not work out because the Nets have lost interest because Kyrie, he's, he's had an injury history. We get that. But Kyrie has missed a lot of games for the Nets for completely avoidable reasons, regardless of where you stand or where I stand on the vaccination thing that kept him out of the majority of the season last year. It's his choice. I agree with that. I think everybody should have had that choice. He made his choice, but he wasn't available to the team that had paid him. And the year before, he had just decided he didn't want to play. No injury, no no reason for leave. He, 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 he pulled a Dennis Rodman going to Vegas and decided he, did, he just didn't want to play. So he proved he was a flake. He proved he wasn't reliable. He proved he wasn't there. For the Nets. So it's no surprise to me. The Nets did not want to commit to Kyrie Irving. Because Kyrie Irving doesn't want to commit to anything. So in that situation. The deal was not done. The deal was not made. Because Kyrie Irving is unreliable. The deal was not made because of choices Kyrie Irving has made. So why am I going to help you as if I, if I was the Nets organization why am i going to help you get the situation of your choosing when you kind of screwed me in the two years that you played for me because you didn't play for me and it wasn't because you were hurt so i don't like that Kyrie's like okay we can't work out a deal do me a favor and trade me to one of these teams no like it's it's vindictive a little bit but i've seen situations where a team and a player have a falling out so they trade him to like the worst team in the league I don't know if anybody wants to commit to Kyrie. The Lakers are interested. That's because the Lakers are desperate. Look at their 2021. Look at their 2021 season. Look at last year. Like look at look at what's happening there. The Lakers are desperate to turn that around. The Lakers are interested in anybody. I turn on Twitter and every five minutes to see the the Lakers are interested in so and so. Of course they are. Because they're in a bad spot. I have not seen. Kyrie's name attached to any of these other teams on this list other than he is interested. I have not seen the Heat, the Knicks, the Clippers say they are interested. The Knicks were interested during the free agency push. That was two years ago. A lot of crap has happened since then with Kyrie Irving. And then, whatever happens with Kyrie Irving, presumably he's played his last game with the Nets, however however few there were, what's that going to do for Kevin? Because Kevin Durant chose to play with the Nets because Kyrie Irving chose to play with the Nets. It was a package deal. They worked it out together. So what's he going to do? So is Kyrie Irving going to screw an entire organization in their near future because he made decisions, I don't want to play. I don't want to play. I'm not hurt. I'm totally healthy. I just don't want to play. So I think Kyrie Irving is the last person who is in any kind of position to be making demands of what team he wants to play for next. And if he does, who's to say that team wants to do it? He's like, yeah, he's a great player when he plays. But there are a lot of great players in this league that show up every night. So I think Kyrie Irving is the last person that should have a wish list 
for a sign and trade because the reason that it's come to this, the reason why no deal was made was entirely because of Kyrie Irving's decisions. Those are my two cents. That's all I have for you this week on Empire Sports Talk. I am Roman Gennaro. It is Friday. Let's all go want to know today. Follow us on socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Tell your friends. Listen to podcasts. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time.